The Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours right now at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. And Adam Kasebe, K-S-E-B-E, the official realtor of the process. On the show today, we've lifted a ban, or have we? I don't know. There's some debate there whether the beard, the bearded KOC is banned or not. We bring back Kevin O'Connor. We would only bring him back on the podcast when there's no basketball to discuss at all. Um, I really want to just talk to him about guitars and the fact that he agreed about Noah Cyrus, but I'm almost certain Brandon Ingram and Ben Simmons will come up. And we do have uh, Adam Silver talk today briefly, so there's a little bit of uh, basketball to talk about. And um, if we can get to it, I would love to have uh, Kevin in on this, round two of the Field of 64 Jigsaws. Um, oh boy. Before we get yeah, <laughs> before we get going, I want I want to say a quick word about our sponsors and the charities we support. Um, you know, most of our sponsors are uh, local small businesses. So LL Pavorsky, Big Barker, Colony Meadery, Kinetic Skateboarding, uh, Adam Kasabi, Cornblow, all local small businesses. And then the charities we support: Providence Animal Center. Um, uh, coated by kids, and on the Colony Meadery cans is Brandywine Animal Center, or Brandywine SPCA. And um, these are the, you know, uh, nonprofits and local small businesses are the ones that are hit hardest during all of this because they have the the smallest margins and the least room for error. So um, when you're, if you have money to spend, all of our sponsors, every single one of them, you can buy from online or over the phone. You don't have to leave your house. And um, the thing I'll say about the nonprofits, and dude, any nonprofit that you can help out right now is important because when you think about um, what these things do, whether it's Providence Animal Center or Coded by Kids, you're not just, by donating, you're not just funding the actual cause, but you are funding the people that work for those companies who need to eat and need health insurance uh, and need to, to pay their bills, all that stuff. So without paying those people, then the charity doesn't exist. So any uh, donation you can make to those charities, any way that you can support our sponsors who have supported us is very meaningful at a time when uh, every little bit counts. So, um, so anything you can do, we would appreciate. Um, without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. Um, I am Spike Eskin, along with one guy who was cheering for the winner of the Super Bowl when the Eagles of and the uh, Patriots played, and one guy who was cheering for the loser, um, Mike Levin and KOC. Welcome you both. Wow. What's up? 
Here we are again. <laughs> I'm okay with six Super Bowls. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we'll get Kevin, into aren't that. you nonpartisan? You're, you left your fan <laughs> fanhood behind. <laughs> no, I'm still a Patriots fan. Celtics fandom changes, though, you know, when you're working in basketball. But that's a different story. Well, um, Mike, I guess I have to ask you. I have to start off with you. You know, um, I I put this up on Twitter. You know, it was in front of everybody. You know, KOC up until this point, you know, banned, unbanned, rebanned again with the Ingram Simmons stuff. And I petitioned online to have KOC back on the pod and you agreed almost immediately. I have to ask: Is it, is it, crazy from the from being at home? Is it just a soft spot? Why the unbanning? Well, there's two things, and on the one hand, you know, we got to come together. We're all citizens of the world, and in, in trying times like these, and I feel like any uh, any example of that is uh, is setting a good standard for for the rest of us. Uh, so I, I'm happy to reach out to KOC here, and I also. Not so secretly, love Kevin. I love him. <laughs> I ran into him at uh, at a bar in, in Los Angeles. He had a, this is before I think the beard broke out. I think it was a secret beard. And I didn't recognize him at first. Um, and, you know, he's one of the sweetest guys in the world. And so I love him and I'm happy to have him back. That, that was a very, very random occurrence. My, some of my friends and I were eating down the street at Spoon by H, which, by the way, if you're ever in Los Angeles, and, and this is true for you too, Mike, you have to go eat there. Go eat at Spoon by H. Right now it's closed with everything happening, but when it opens back up, it is the best food I have ever had in my life. Korean food, but it's really Korean fusion food, like Korean-Italian, Korean-Indian. It's the best. And after we ate, we're like, let's go down the street and get a drink, because I'm leaving in a couple days. Last time I'll see you guys. Let's just go get a drink and hang a little bit more. And so then we see Mike Levin and friends in there. I mean, what a go. time. What, what a special occurrence. It was good to run into you, and I'm glad it led to this possible temporary unbanning, but uh, hopefully permanent. <laughs> I'm glad you said temporary, because I do want to still keep you on your toes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was... KOC, were you surprised by the unbanning? I mean, it was like, you know, a, a mixed reaction from, from people on Twitter, I would have to say, at least from our people. Some people furious that we unbanned you. I mean, <laughs> with the way things are in the world right now, I think some dras drastic changes could be necessary in yeah, order to help yeah. people and in, in yep. order to, to make, you know, for a, for a podcast to, to for, for some, be some people listening to this, like, how is KOC on there? Why do you have them on, you guys? But then you have others that are like, eh, you know what? Screw it. World, world's going to shit right now. Let's, let's give this a chance. Well, KOC, I, I have a question for each of you to open up the pod. But KOC, I can't wait until you see the... And there are a few layers to the feature image of this podcast. So we, are, we have an artist that draws... Her name is Abby, and she draws the feature images for the website. And I had an idea for the KOC pod. And I'm not going to... I'm just saying there's several levels to it, that there's a, a few levels to it, and I, I cannot wait for you to see it. That's, that's all I'll say. Um, all right, so here is my first question for each of you to get us going. Uh, same uh, framework of question, but different question for Mike and for KOC. For Mike, what Sixers player would you most want to be in quarantine with? What Sixers player would you least want to be in quarantine with? And for KOC, what... Ringer staff member would you most want to be in quarantine with? And what ringer staff member would you least want to be in quarantine with? Mike first. Hmm. Um, Matisse is having a good time. 
on on TikTok, mm-hmm. and he seems like a chill hang, but he might be. He's, I would say, maybe doing a little too much. Yeah, seems, a little much. He's got like a, has a little bit too much energy that he's trying to, yeah. you know, kind of like a like a young dog, um, mm-hmm. or young person, or young person. <laughs> yeah. um, Shout out to my sister who's a single mom and has three kids under, like, nine at home, which is crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so Matisse is a little much. I watched some Josh Richardson uh, Instagram, and he's ha- having fun with his dog. I think I would say Josh. Josh seems very chill, down to hang out, down to do some fun stuff in the house, but also not, like, in your face about it. And the at least, least... Yeah. It... It honestly might be Embiid because I don't trust him to, like, stay in the quarantine. Yeah, I, I also don't trust him not to have it. I, I like, I, I guess he's, he's, uh, yeah, I don't trust him to stay in the quarantine. Honestly, with all, I would pick, who's the oldest sixer? Um, Horford. Yeah, I'd, I'd take Horford because that, he's not, he's not breaking the quarantine. He doesn't break the quarantine normal, normally. No. Like, I'm sure he's home all the time anyway. Um KOC, Ringer staff member m- most want to quarantine, be in quarantine with. Ringer staff member you would least like to be in quarantine with. Most like to be quarantined with Jason Gallagher. He's resourceful. Mm. You may know him as somebody who's one of the two in Ice to Ice. Hallelujah, songwriter of that and some of our other Ringer band hits. Uh, Jason is a family man. A very nice, kind person, and like I said, very resourceful. Also adaptable. He knows how to good t- be have a good time, but he's also a dad. I think to me, if you want to be quarantine quarantined with somebody, that's the type of person you want to be with, who who can help you in either type of extreme situation, and at least now, want to be quarantined. Now, oh, KOC, KOC, let me interrupt. It does okay. seem like you are describing somebody that you would want to live in the wilderness with, which is not <laughs> what quarantine is. Also, truly, shots fired at Dan Devine. Similar descriptions. You go oh, with Gallagher. Wow. Yeah. Well, least likely uh, quarantined with. Uh, least likely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, I'll go with my friend Isaac Lee, and, here, and I, the real reason why is because I don't think I could stand the, his bad music takes. I just don't think I could handle it. He hates live uh, concerts. And by the way, he's the other side of Ice to Ice with uh, Jason Gallagher, the singer of Hallelujah. I would love to hear Isaac's voice. I would love to talk basketball with him, but I don't think I could handle the music takes for any longer than I can for like going out for dinner or before recording he, a podcast. But living with somebody for who knows how long, I don't think it would work. Sorry, Isaac. You're saying he? Did you say he doesn't like live music? He doesn't like live music. No. Uh, and, and, it, yeah. and it's because of, it, in his eyes, the artist representation in a studio album is the highest fidelity of sound. Uh, and live music, you know, there's mistakes. The quality's just not as good. Um, could fall out of tune. Could be, you know, off pitch. Uh, and so on and so forth. I mean, like, it's all a matter of taste. But live music is about more than just the quality of sound, though. It's about the emotional aspect of, of it. It's about the closeness of everybody else in the crowd. It's about the energy. It's about the, the connection with the performers, and that, that, that to me is what makes live music special. And him and I have argued about that endless amounts of times, and I don't think I could handle it any longer, living in a home together for weeks or months at a time. Live music is truly the eye test, and the record is truly analytics. So you yes. should, if, if you, you could, you need, a, a, you need an appreciation for both. There's a, you, you, have to, you have to appreciate both 
in proper perspective, and you can't be all one or all the other. I think about somebody like Dua Lipa, who is an emerging, or perhaps has emerged as a, as a mainstream pop star right now, but a couple of years ago, Dua couldn't dance live. She didn't know how to perform, and she has evolved in a two years to become a pretty stellar live performer, vocally and as a, in terms of dancing and all the show she puts on for the crowd. And I think that is really a testament to a complete artist. I mean, she can have a great studio album, but being able to have a, a sensational tour that people want to pay their hard-earned money to go to, that is a testament of an artist who has ta really taken a leap beyond just the studio, uh, which can be so produced to make you sound good. Well, Mike, I, my, my, I guess, first sports question for KOC is, do you, don't you agree that the Patriots would have been better off three years ago trading Tom Brady for a haul and keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> isn't no. it, isn't it obvious? No. It's obvious. What? No. Of course they would. Have, they would have a. They would have a, a franchise quarterback now. Now they have nothing. Who's You've been riding that for a while. I will say that Garoppolo is absolutely better looking than Tom Brady and always has been. Oh, it's that, not even that, close. Brady. That's my contribution. Brady's Brady's done that thing that Corver has, where as he's gotten older, he's gotten less good looking. If you're, if you're telling me three years ago, so you're saying March 18th, 2017, you're saying they should when, have traded Tom Brady. Even though they, I'm, they, I'm saying that it, like, so they, tra they traded him after the Falcons Super Bowl, okay, right? Yes. So they went yeah. to two more Super Bowls and won one more of them. Well, what but more could the you one, want? well, but the, well, you, another decade. And the one that, that they won, the one that they won, how many points did they score? What is 13? Jimmy G? What is Jimmy G? You know, Jimmy G. Jimmy G. Has just proven that he can go to a Super Bowl and not play well, just like Tom Brady did that yeah. year. Oh. There's nothing. This, there's this nothing. Past season. Yes. Look at Brady's receivers this past year. Though. Oh my God. He had crap God. on his roster. Like, uh, Philip let me tell Dorsett, Nikhil Harry, I, a rookie. The the Patriots are going to go six Matt and ten Lacoste this year. at tight end. Come the on, there's no, quarter, there's no quarterback who can thrive <laughs> with garbage <laughs> weapons. And Tom Brady, look, okay, I am a Patriots fan still, but I'm I am a I'm a bigger Tom Brady fan than I am a Patriots fan at this point. He has oh, that's so he, embarrassing. It's not. Oh my he, god. He, listen, he has transcended the team because <laughs> Tom Brady came into my life when I was 11 years old. I turned 30 this year. Just think about that. <laughs> That's so. That's it's a unique awful. fan experience, and <laughs> and for with Brady, I I've watched every single game he has ever played with him, strictly analyzing his play. I still oh. see the vision, I still see the pack, passing accuracy, I still see the ability to move around the pocket and create time. I still. See and he just fucking left. He just but, fucking left. He left. Yeah, yes. He left. And, and he's going to a situation in Tampa Bay, that is gonna give him a loaded receiving core better than oh they can provide. He's going uh. to a place right now that on paper looks like can give him a better chance to win, especially when you look at what the Patriots have lost on the defensive side of the ball. Brady is Dude, positioning go, himself to pursue a seventh ring. Going to the Bucks is a fucking loser move, and everybody knows it. If he had any guts, he would have gone to a real team. Uh, like a, like I, I, I make fun of LeBron, but at least he went somewhere where there was some pressure. 
like it, if Tom Brady had any balls, he would have gone to the Cowboys or the Raiders or the Giants. But instead, he went to retire in fucking Florida, and he already ruined the Patriots franchise by making them trade Jimmy G because he has a fragile ego. He's a fucking loser. And I'm, um, the honestly, you you saying that you are a fan of, of Brady over the Patriots makes me want to ban you in the middle of the podcast. I'm just, I'm. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> I, I don't. I, I mean, if you look, it, it's it's a very unusual fan experience. But what I'm saying, like, I would, I'm sure somebody who rooted for Tim Duncan may feel that way. I'm there sure is somebody who, who you, you're on a podcast. Junior. You're on a podcast where I would I would say I'm a bigger fan of eighty percent of every Sixer of the last six years more than I'm a fan of the Sixers. Hate I hate the Sixers. So yeah. I get oh, that's fair. why Kevin would be a fan of Brady. I'm a big, you know, if if the Sixers traded like let Embiid walk for nothing, then I would be a bigger fan of Embiid. Hmm. Well, yeah, I agree with that. But Embiid, Embiid didn't make them trade their future because he had a fragile ego. That's all I'm saying. Like they, they should have. If if Tom Brady was a real winner, they could have had both, and he isn't. And look, and for me, it's the type of thing with with Brady. Again, it, it's it's such a long fan to player relationship, and so many of my happiest memories in life are from watching the Patriots play, watching Tom Brady, just with so many thrills and joyous moments with my dad by my side, and like these are things that something that so many people can relate to when it comes to their favorite athletes or their favorite teams over the years, and, and so the love for him is partially because of the love you know with family and those shared experiences together, and that's why I think. It's all sort of connected with him being, you know, me being a bigger fan of him than the team itself. Because, you know, because ultimately with the Patriots, I've seen so many players over the years that I've, I've really enjoyed watching and, and contributed to winning and contributed to runs in the playoffs come and go over the years. And for a long time now, I've known that moment was going to come with Tom Brady. So I understand a lot of Patriots fans are in shock right now and and. They, they shudder at the thought of him wearing a Bucks creamsicle jersey. But this is something I feel like I've mentally prepared myself for for a long time. And I, I guess I feel more intrigued as a fan of the Patriots for what's to come now than now that they are forced into so much change. And I'm also excited for Tom Brady in this new situation just to see what's going to happen because it's another, it's another situation where, once again, he's questioned. Like he has been many times before throughout his career. Question in 06, losing to the Colts in the playoffs, whether he could win without an elite defense. Then he goes 18 and 1 the next year. Questioned after tearing his ACL, coming back in his 30s and continuing to be elite. <laughs> KOC, qu- qu- KOC, you're doing so his W E E I tryout, right? <laughs> no, no. They, I don't know what E E I and and Sports Hub are saying in Boston. I don't, I don't, I haven't listened to the radio in a while now. But the fact is, is that. I, over the years, Boston Sports Radio has also questioned Brady. They're, they're not blowing him on there. They've questioned Brady more than anybody has. And I grew up listening to that. I grew up listening to that. I grew oh, up yeah. hearing right. about <laughs> if Ryan Mallett was going to replace Tom Brady. It's a joke. And he's got to answer those questions again and have another big season with the Buccaneers this time. <laughs> this is still a basketball podcast. <laughs> I don't care. If there will not be basketball played for a long time, we're used to that. 
All right, Mike, you go. You go. I'm that sorry. That could all be cut if it needs to be. <laughs> I, I, I thought the Jimmy G thing was just a jab and move on, but it said, it said, it said, it triggered me, man. It's, you know, uh, who's the who's the guy that left? Uh, is is like it's Felger Maz and KOC right now. That's what the uh, that's what the show is. So. Take a break from the Ricky to talk about another one of our local sponsors, local business. That is Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process, Kasabi, K-S-E-B-E, uh, processrealtor.com. Now, we, now, with Adam, we, we always talk about uh, that you know, he is a realtor for the Delaware beaches and still can do that. And I say all the time, why would you pay for vacation when everyone can pay for vacation for you? You get a, a house at Delaware Beach, you rent it out most of the year, and then you go down, it pays for your uh, mortgage. But something happened this week with this whole crisis is that uh, interest rates went down. And one thing that can save you money, not just in the short term, but the long term, is refinancing your house. And Adam is not a like a, a mortgage agent, but when I bought a house, my realtor was the one that helped me through that. So Adam has offered, even though he is not going to sell you the house, to help lead you through the refinance um, thing. And let me tell you, when you go to refinance, you fill out something on a website, you get 75 phone calls, you don't know what's what. Here, here's a and can, and can I tell you, about, can I tell you, as, yeah, a, big, as yeah. a huge finance guy, renowned, yeah, yes. I love... Yeah. Refinancing, saying the word <laughs> refinancing, knowing what refinancing means. And so this is something that really speaks to me specifically. Yes. Well, okay. So here's what it means. When you, bu- when you buy a house, you basically borrow all the money. You borrow the money at a certain rate. Like let's say that rate is 4%. You pay that rate the entire time. It's a lot of money. If you can cut that rate by a quarter point or a half point or even a it saves you a ton of money, but it's really sort of a confusing thing. So here's a couple of great things about refinancing. First of all, you, you, your average monthly payment can go down, or you can shorten the years on your mortgage with the same monthly payment. The average, you just pay less money because you're paying a lower interest rate. The other thing that could help now specifically is that if you refinance now, your first payment won't be until May, right? Like, so you won't have an April payment. So that, that can mean a lot for a lot of people not having that payment due on April 1st. So the way Adam says it is if, you, if your mortgage rate does not start with a three, mine does, thankfully, but if your mortgage rate is not in the threes, you should be refinancing. I love so the threes. <laughs> you're big on the threes. Huge. So wh- whether, you're, whether you're, you're feeling okay and you're still looking for a house at the Delaware beaches or, or you need help with refinancing, again, Adam is not a, a mor- but mortgage broker, but he'll hook you up with somebody and he'll lead you through it. And this is something that Cornblow's done, you know, with cases that are not personal injury, but he helps our people through it. I would absolutely 100% trust Adam. Save you money now, which is important. Save you money in the future. Call or text him 302 864 8643. By the way, if you want to look at a house in the Delaware beaches, he said he'll, he'll do it over FaceTime. So you don't have to leave the house, you don't have to be near anybody. Um, or you can email him, adam at processrealtor.com. Again, that number uh, to call or text, 302-864-8643. Adam Kasabi, official realtor of The Process, back to the Ricky. So, Mike, you can redirect, yeah. Kevin, how's your, uh, your government-imposed lockout going so far? Pretty good. Just uh, spending a lot of time with my mom. I'm in, I'm in Massachusetts right now. You um, did fly back. 
Because I, I think the last time, I think the time I saw you was the last time I was out. And so I was wondering that if I had gotten symptoms, I was ready to blame you for uh, <laughs> contracting <laughs> the virus. Was that, was that a Friday night? We saw each other on Thursday or Friday night in LA? I think it was a Thursday. Like yeah. Thursday night. I, I went out, I think, one more time after that. Uh, okay. The, the Lakers Clippers game that Sunday and went to dinner later that night. So um, that's right. Ho- I ho- I will, how about you guys? I mean, are you both healthy? Or are you are you good? Where are you at in the world right now? I'm I'm very healthy. We are quarantined in our apartment. We have enough supplies. Getting a little sick of the food that we have, so that's gonna that's gonna be a problem down the road. But mostly missing basketball. It's it's weird to think of how like being forced like there's always another sport on the horizon right like even when a season ends even if it's like painful there's always another sport coming or has already started and so right now to live in like a like nothing just uncertainty it's weird it's weird to like you know i plan my days around my meals and i think everybody does but like i also think i planned my days around what games i wanted to watch that day and so it's very bizarre to not have that and just kind of like it's all wide open. So my life is a little bit different than most in that uh, my uh, job is because it is uh, the radio and 24 hours a day is like a a business that is still uh, alive and like one of the PA essential businesses. So I am, uh, they have sent home, you know, like 90% of our staff, but the people who are still working are the hosts producers and me and I'm there so I do get the advantage of seeing people every day which I I can imagine you know if you're in the house all I do get out of the house though it is a one-to-one sort of thing you know house then home house then home Uh, and it's weird too you know I have that obviously my life is centered around sports because of what I do working at WIP Um, it is weird to be at a sports radio station with the you know we had an NFL free agency this week but the when you look out into the distance I keep saying this to everyone that works there you know, we're not going to see another game until June, at least. Um, so the uh, the I would say that a bit, an advantage for me is that the existential dread and fear I have of what's going on in the world is covered up some by what I have to do at work, like constantly every day, um, you know, with emergency plans and backup plans and all that kind of stuff. But every once in a while, I'm like, hey, we're a sports radio station, and there's not going to be any sports for two and a half months or three months, so if we're lucky. So uh, so it's weird over here, too. Same here with the Ringer, really. I mean, for me, it's uh, I have a, my first article of the week coming out tomorrow just about the overall situation and, and what the league is facing. And for me personally, it feels good to still work. And, and yeah. I, you know, I'm podcasting this week still on Tuesdays and Fridays as usual with Chris Vernon and feels good to write for tomorrow. And this, this earlier today, my mom and I went for a walk uh, at this local park and it, it blew my mind how many people were there. Kids out of school, parents, you know, couples, out there and you know this is a you know going for a walk is like you know you're still social distancing we weren't within like 15 feet of anybody at any one point uh, so that's something people can still do but i was just amazed at, at the amount of people out there on an early wednesday afternoon 
And it really put into perspective for me how many people are out of work right now, people who aren't able yeah. to go to their jobs, who aren't able to. Some people aren't getting paid right now. And, you know, it's just really shocking to see that. It felt like a, a holiday, really, um, to see the amount of people out there. And it, it feels good to still be able to do some work now and to do it remotely. And hopefully soon, um, hopefully with most jobs, people are able to adapt and do that at home uh, just so they have that uh, sense of normalcy in their lives. Um, but if not, hopefully that returns soon to for everybody. Do, do you think so, Vegas should start betting? Should start uh, allowing betting on which Sixer contracts the virus? <laughs> I, I, I hope they don't start putting bets out for stuff like that, but I, I'm sure they will. Well, they they were all tested Monday, and yeah. they there there hasn't been a report of. And by the way, like our. I, I was talking to our guy at DraftKings, uh, Ethan, about like what is actually on the app. That's the KOC DraftKings sponsors the pod. And there's the normal like NFL futures. And I told him, I was like, man, I would love to talk about Turkey Super League and rugby NRL, whatever, whatever that is. Um, like, you know, there, there's still stuff to bet on, amazingly. But it they is. said... Sorry, good. Oh, and they have like, you know, you can... Casino games, Russian soccer, or whatever. Um, but yeah, they they said all the Sixers were tested on Monday, and today it's the end of Wednesday. Um, now, depending on what test you have, some of them come back right away, and some of them come back, um, you know, in two days. And the other thing is now that those players are not playing any other players, they don't have to, you know, they they never have to disclose any sort of injury, and the player can say that they don't want to disclose it because of, you know, HIPAA stuff. So we may never know what Sixer has it if anyone tests positive. My guess, though, is that if they all took tests on Monday and we haven't heard anything, my guess would be somebody tested positive and that they're just not saying who it is. It is a a couple of things. It is genuinely shocking that this entire pandemic wasn't exclusively either started or contained by the Sixers. Uh, based yeah. on things that have happened to this franchise in the past. And also, do you know that the uh, – what is the first thing I think of when I hear HIPAA? Oh, Brian Colangelo and the knee. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it was on it was on WIP where, <laughs> where we were questioning about that. He said he couldn't say what was wrong with Embiid because of, <laughs> because of HIPAA. <laughs> fucking liar. Oh, my God. What a liar. Um. Yeah. So what, what what are you so Silver was on I saw some of the quotes. I, I think he was on with Rachel Nichols. He talked about, you know, hoping that the season comes back and, you know, hoping that they don't have to cancel. He seemed like he was open to everything. One of the things being some sort of a charity game where, you know, all the players are cleared to give people something uh, and raise money for charity. They are really in it like we all are. They're in a un like uncharted territory here as to how to proceed and um like koc is it's got to be hard for any sports league to be the first one to say okay we're letting fans back in you know i mean that that's ultimately going to be really an indicator of when things are close to normal is when fans are allowed back in because until that point my expectation based off what conversations I've had with people around the league and what Adam Silver has said publicly himself is that there's a strong likelihood that when games do resume, whenever they resume, it will be without fans 
in the crowd. Uh, Woj yeah. had reported that maybe they'll look for practice arenas to play in to have unique, you know, broadcast viewing experiences. Um, you know, that's a possibility, of course. Uh, but ultimately, the one thing that has come up continuously in conversations I've had is if you do resume play, how are you going to be testing players, coaches, team personnel, referees every day? Are you going to do that every day to make sure somebody's not, you know, is not diagnosed with a positive test for a coronavirus? And then they get pulled out for two, three weeks or something like that? Because uh, otherwise, I mean, you can't police who people are seeing. You can't, you know, stop them from seeing their families and who their families seeing. Because uh, if games do resume in mid to late June or even July at the earliest, in all likelihood, based off what science, scientists are saying, coronavirus won't be off the face of the earth at that point. It'll still be out there. So for the NBA, I wonder how strict and regular t their testing is actually going to have to be to prevent some sort of uh, community spread, as we saw with certain teams, like with, with Gobert and Mitchell, or we, or we saw with the Brooklyn Nets, well, with KD and the other three players, too. I think what, one thing that's interesting is that, that Gobert had it, and only one of the other, not only players, but the entire you know, PR, media staff, it was only Mitchell. I th I think my my assumption would be, and none unless, of us are experts. Unless it was, go ahead. They had it before. Before, right? Unless he got yeah. it from them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They, they could have uh, got it from some, you know, restaurant they went into days prior sure. from the server there. They both could have gotten it from that person. Like that's why. I mean, I understand like trying to trace it back. It's important to do that. Um, but like we just don't know who got it from whoever. I, I would assume that one of the things about starting back up would be that, like, it's so hard to talk about this, but the 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 virus, especially for a a, a professional athlete in their twenties, like, does not present the the sort of risk that um, that it does for the entire country in terms of like what a widespread thing could do to the country. You know, the the risk for a bunch of people is higher than the risk for a person. And my assumption would be that it, it can't be a world where, it has to be a world where if somebody transmits it and gives it to someone else, the worry is not that it will get to everybody, that we are past that point, you know, that we are, we are sort of like past the point where um, that's, you know, the, the continual flatten the curve thing that if it is transmitted to somebody else, we're on the, the point where the, the cases are going down because the idea of testing everyone all the time for this, I don't think is particularly realistic. Um, so my guess would be they, they wait extra long. You know, you wait, you wait a month after you, you would have to do that to maybe do that. I don't know. Who knows? Well, I guess we're all just guessing and we're all, you know. What's like the what's the nobody knows. Yeah. Yeah. What's the deadline? What do you guys think the deadline would be for like what when's the like pencils down seasons canceled? Like if it's hmm. if they say, hey, the playoffs can start in early July, I think that they go for it. But if they're saying playoffs can't, you know, you're not cleared to play until mid-August. And, like, what happens? Are they just going to keep pushing the draft? Are they pushing, like, when? The, the draft lottery, which is the most important day of the year, is in <laughs> a little under two months. And so, like, does that happen? What, that, that's going to have to be, like, if they do the lottery, then that means the standings are set. Like, so there's going to be, some, like, things start, the dominoes start to fall. 
Um, even if they're like going to try to push it, you know, reevaluate it in three weeks style, the that's when it gets pretty serious. So I, I would guess within the month we have a we have like an answer as to whether it's happening. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know, and that's the answer I get from everybody I talk to. The it's I don't know, and ultimately, Adam Silver was asked by Rachel Nichols today about that. You know, with thought of cancellation, and he said, "I'm not there yet. Maybe I'm in denial, but I'm not there yet." And that's true from conversations I've had that the league is planning in some way, shape, or form of having games happen over the summer, whether that's some type of, you know, truncated tournament with shortened playoff series or some type of, you know, play-in tournament for the playoffs. They want to have some type of basketball to conclude the 2019-20 season. And as for a cutoff date, pencils down, I would imagine – if that call's made, it's it's either this becomes so rampant that it's undeniable that it's not it's not even feasible for games to happen in August, or it gets to a point in late July or early August where you have tentative plans, but it's not a for sure thing, and then you decide to pull the plug. I, yeah. I would think early August is the ultimate, you know, pencils down moment, but that could happen well, well before then, depending on what happens in the world. That's out of the league's control. So much of that is. With what the government does, it's with what the people do. Um, in res- with, it's what citizens do in response to what the government is asking us to do or telling us to do. You know, uh, one thing that Silver was asked, I think, that you have to consider with this, Mike, to your point of what the drop dead date is, is I think she asked something to the effect of, well, if it got pas- pushed back further no- far enough, could we just shorten the next season so and start that at Christmas or something? So I think there's a world in which they play the playoffs very late and delay the start of the next season and shorten the next season. My, my thought would be, again, to KOC's point, we, there's so little that is predictable. But let's say um, that it all sort of goes according to um, what we hope, like not the best case scenario, but the, the case scenario, is that I think they will do anything they can to play these playoffs. That if they have to not play another regular season game, if they have to play it in front of nobody, they will do anything they can to play these playoffs and have a champion. Um, as long as... Because, I, KOC, I was going to ask you about playing in front of empty arenas and what that means. Because part of me, and I know this is eye test guy, this is old eye test guy, part of me thinks winning a championship in an empty arena is like the biggest asterisk of all time. Um like to win road games when there are no real road games, like to, to, so I don't, I'm, I'm sorry. I think they want to play the playoffs unless there would be outrage that they would play it in front of nobody. And that would even mean starting the 2020 season, 2020, 2021 season late. That, that would be my guess. It's wild. If they want to do, yeah. Yeah, I my my gut my gut is that there's going to be too much uncertainty and and like people are going to dip their toe back out into trying to resume like semi regular life, and then there'll be like a, uh, you know, what's what do they call it? What's Sir Anthony Dominguez just have like they're like he's had a, set, a setback is what I'm looking for. All there'll right. be like some sort of setback where they're like okay now it's over like we just we're just calling it and then there ends up being like the season's over and it's it's very bizarre because. You know, you feel bad for a lot of teams that had a good chance. The Sixers, you could look at it like they were—they only had 
turmoil this season and the playoffs could have been a chance to like take some of the narrative back and being like this is what we built our team for or it was a you know the the Sixers just reached to the back of the back of the PlayStation and unplugged it and that's what happened um, <laughs> season uh, never happened yeah never happened restarted yeah. there's a lot there's a lot that goes into like should we you know some my, my buddy asked me like do you feel good about like at least do you feel relieved that it's over and i mostly feel sad but i wonder if if i if after like some time goes by then there will have been a level of relief in that this absolutely horrid season came to a close without <laughs> forcing me to watch them lose in uh, terrible fashion. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you don't know what you're you're being spared uh, because if it doesn't <laughs> exactly. happen. But but let me tell you, a first round loss to the fucking Heat or the Celtics is definitely <laughs> worth missing. This yeah, is what I would say. I would probably accept not for everybody, but I myself would probably take my chances on coronavirus if if the alternative oh, yeah. was a was a first round loss to Boston or Miami. Oh, not even not even close. Oh boy. Who would you rather, you know, lose to? Don't yeah. ask that question, Kevin. <laughs> oh Don't. My God. I, mean, I have to ask. I mean, Jimmy Butler well, coming in Philadelphia or Boston? Let, let me for me, I would this is pretty obvious for me. I would rather lose to Boston because like my a let, uh, uh, an episode of the Ricky that people will never let me forget is the We Are Fucked episode um, uh, after the, the South. It wasn't right after the Celtics loss. It was, it was like weeks later or something, the We're Fucked episode. So I would at least be right, and I would be very wrong if they lost to the Heat. So that would be trouble for me. So I would much yeah. rather they lose to the Celtics. I hear that. Me. I would rather lose to the Heat. I just, I fucking hate Boston. Yeah. I hate this fucking yeah. team. And I like enough players on Miami to where we beat them a couple years ago, obviously with different guys, but it would feel like a, if we lose once to Miami, then it's like, all right, Jimmy got his, like, let's go get our revenge on him next year. Uh, if we lost another round to Boston, I, I don't know that I would survive. I mean, I think for a, a general NBA fan, both teams are probably pretty likable. A lot of y- nice, young, up-and-coming young players. Are you a general NBA guy. fan, Kevin? Is that what you're saying here? Jason. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm saying for you guys, it's understandable why you, you hate both of those teams. It goes without saying. For I, do, I don't actually hate Miami. I, I don't. I think some of the, like, Just um, no, I don't even. I, I mean, hate Jimmy Butler. Spike yeah. Moore does. I I've I've conflicted about it. Uh, I think some of the like Spolstra heat culture. It's like training for the army stuff is overblown, uh, and a little bit like <laughs> like fucking relax, you guys. Um, but I do, I would say I wouldn't say I hate them. I I would say I don't like their fans or their like. Uh, I remember when we played them a couple years ago. There was like just a, like a handful of heat fans that were just like so. You know, oh, they're off. Dis- distinct and another. Like, what, what's the purpose? What? I, just give me a vibe that you're like putting out there, so I can hate it. But I couldn't. It was vibeless. It was just like we're kind of like, you know, like Kroger L.A., but like dirtier and like with more, well, like, I don't know, our, Ill- illicit our, drugs, club drugs, club <laughs> drugs, Kroger <laughs> club drugs, HGH. Our our uh, our the. Th- Third, Ricky member uh, and friend Amos Lee, his uh, his uh, manager Perry is a Ricky listener and Heat fan, and 
every time I get a text message about the heat, I, I just realize how gross and embarrassing it must be to be a heat fan. Just like, and, and I do enjoy the first year Jimmy Renaissance as every, as the, the Timberwolves fans went through mm. and then Sixers fans went through and everyone, it, everyone thinks that this is the play, that everyone else was wrong. Like Jimmy might be the, du- the Doug team. Collins of players. Yes, yes, it is so right. That is so right. Runs out, runs um, out as, warms out as welcome. We take a break from this talk with KOC to talk about one of our trusted, loving sponsors that is Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Mike, um, well, first of all, it's great that dogs are, uh, are seem immune, I guess, to COVID-19, which is great news. I, I tell Rebel that um, like when we're sitting alone uh, and I'm scared of the world, I'm like, buddy, this is all going to be yours very soon. Um, I would love to see a dog run world. Um, that said, Big Barker seems like a, you know, a lot of our sponsors, you don't, we talk about the owner of it, you know, whether it is LL or, uh, you know, Adam Kasabi or Cornblow. We don't with Big Barker, so it just seems like this big brand, but they are a local small company, like fewer than 10 employees. And this, obviously, you know, when something like this happens and there's uh, economic strife like this, one thing that can go out the window is buying, you know, luxury dog beds. So, um, so I, I guess I just wanted to make sure that we, um, we show our support for Big Barker. And you know that Big Barker is a, a local company trying to stay alive through this, um, just like a lot of local companies with actually a good product who believes in us and has been a sponsor for like two years, I think, Big Barker. A lot of, a lot of Ricky Listener um, uh, dogs on Big Barker dog beds. Yeah. Right we got the full, really the full lifestyle gamut of things you need as far as <laughs> yes. the sponsors go. And I was, I've been obviously, as everybody else has, FaceTiming with a lot of loved ones and so seeing a lot of dogs. And a lot of dogs are happy that you're, uh, you're home, working from home. Yes. So make your dog even happier with a Big Barker dog bed. With a Big Barker. Yeah, absolutely. Go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Get the uh, the Big Barker dog bed with the processed pup patch. You I called it a, dog a, a, bo- a bog bed just now because I, uh, bo- <laughs> I, st- I stuttered through it. So, Or a, well, a bog. You, it's really the alliteration gets me. A bog bed. The, a bog bed. The, not only does the, the, the bog bed from Big Barker, the Big Barker bog bed look great, and it gets the process pup patch, but it's good for your dog, too, you know, supporting your dog's joints because they're, they're laying around. I know Rebel, Rebel is glad that I'm home, but also a little, like, enough out of you sort of stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. most of the time when humans are home is when dogs are sleeping. So it does it does fuck with them. So they, they need to rest and they need their joints supported. And a big Barker dog bed does that. And a uh, like I said, a great local company, 10 year warranty on the big Barker bog bed. Um, phone does it flattener. They replace it for free. One year at home trial. If you don't like it, send it back. They will pay for the shipping. Handmade in the USA um, and a supporter of us, which um, which we we really, really appreciate it. Big Barker dog beds. Woof. Back to the Ricky. KOC, give us a couple of things. I want to, you're a music guy, guitar player. Um, do occasionally watch your Pink Floyd uh, guitar solo video, which is one of the best videos that's ever on the internet. Uh, it should, I hope it's on Pornhub. Um, it should be on Pornhub. Um, 
a couple of things a, a couple of things you're listening to that you're enjoying that you want to recommend to the people um, so one of my favorite artists uh, of really the last seven eight years just released her first single in quite a while uh, leanne la havas she's this uh, gorgeous uh, vocalist who is extremely talented on guitar too and she just dropped a new song. I wouldn't recommend starting with that, though it's a good track. Um, I think starting with her album, Is Your Love Big Enough, is probably the way to go there. Um, but the new song, if you want to start off with the song Bittersweet, very nice, um, very melodic on with guitar and vocals. And if, I know a lot of people follow Colors on YouTube. Do you watch that channel, Spike? I don't. I don't. I don't. Like, I'm not a YouTube guy. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't like, get the YouTube. Like, obviously, I, I see things on YouTube, but, like, there seems to be a whole thing about YouTube that I do not participate in. So, no. Not even, like, NPR's series no. that they have? No? Huh. Interesting. No. I, th I think you no. might dig that, man. I was, I was wearing this hoodie, and um, somebody sent me a link to a hoodie that said... Um, this is a very funny story. So we, a, a hoodie that said clickbait on it. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy that hoodie. That's funny. Like we get accused of that at WIP all the time. So I wear the hoodie to work, clickbait. And one of our front desk, the, the girls that works at the front desk, she's like, oh, you and like, you like so-and-so. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she was like, clickbait. And I'm like, oh, no, this is a moment where I'm going to feel like I'm 100 years old. And she's like, well, it's this YouTube group and yada, 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 and that's their thing. And I said, so is that like Logan Paul? And she said, they're better than Logan Paul. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so it is the same as Logan Paul. And that's how, that's how far away I am from YouTube, that I didn't even, this thing that I bought uh, and I wore to work, I didn't even know what it was. So well, the answer is no. Maybe something closer to home for you then is one of my favorite bands out there right now, Mount Joy. Oh they're, yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah they're Sixers Ricky fans, fans well. actually. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They listen to the show. Uh, shout out to Matt Quinn and Sam Cooper. They, you know, they created the band years ago. Um, both Sixers fans, and their new album is coming out later this year. And every single so far has been just a banger. Uh, Strangers, yep. rearrange us. Every holiday, they just released another one this this week. Acrobats. And their, their self-titled debut album, Mountain Joy, that came out in 2018. I remember the first time I heard that, I was with one of my coworkers and his roommate. And they play, played the first two songs off that record, I'm Your Wreck and Dirty Love. And I just loved it immediately. And I'm like, I have to listen to this as soon as I get home. You know, listen to the whole thing through. And that album, just song after song after song, is a complete enjoyable experience and the growth that they have with their new album coming out is really going to be a step forward for them and i think it's going to be something that's going to propel them forward a bit more as a band so i, I mount joy leanne la havas they're, they're the first two that come to mind though there's a, a handful of others how about you i well i was truly encouraged when i tweeted out a noah cyrus song and the first response was KOC being mm -hmm. like, yeah, that song's awesome. Have you heard Dude. this other Noah Cyrus Dude, song? She's so good, man. She's great. I, I went and saw her with um, with in New York at the Bowery with um, Jay, our, our friend Jason from uh, Billboard. And I was a little nervous because I, I didn't know how she would be, but she did kill it. And she was very, very 
I, she came to our radio stations. She came to 96.5 TDY to sing July. And, um, and uh, she was very, very nice to everybody. But she's a fucking great singer. Um, and she's, their songs are cool, man. She's really cool. I was, I was encouraged that you liked her. There's a lot of great female vocalists out there right now. And yeah. I, I think back, like, in around 09, 10, 11, me and my one of my buddies used to play music together, and we were always on the search for a, a really good female lead for our group that never ended up materializing. But, like, I always have loved, you know, female vocalists. And, we, you know, we've seen them over the years in a number of bands, Fleetwood Mac, Hart, you know, of, of the mainstream popular bands over the years. But right now, it's really just year after year someone else is coming out that, that this is still a basketball well, podcast okay. but, but we're we're talking we're talking about females mike we're talking about <laughs> girls that are women that are doing good i and koc i will say i do talk about this a lot i think there has been a huge renaissance in like cool edgy pop sung by females and like there's a lot of really, really, really good ones out there, and I I agree with you. Um, Jay, Jay even uh, I think Princess. Julia Michaels is great. Chelsea Cutler is great. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. A lot of cool stuff. Mike, sorry, you can go back to basketball. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Kevin, why was D'Anthony Melton drafted so low when we all knew he was good, and why was he traded for nothing to Memphis, and why is he succeeding? Why were we right? <laughs> I think it's just going to be teams don't have patience sometimes. And also, look, man, despite the fact that we really did like him for, for the reasons why he's succeeding now, he still didn't shoot the ball well in college. And it was such a small sample, too, uh, that it wasn't a lot for teams to go off of. I'm, I'm not defending their choices. He should have been he should have been a higher draft pick. He should have been a team that teams should have been a player that teams gave more of an opportunity to. Um, but the shot is so critical to success in today's league for players that aren't elite in many other categories to overcome that that weakness. And Melton was one of those guys where you just had that question about him. And, and it's nice to see that he has developed some more consistent consistently over consistency over time that now he can excel in all those other areas he's been so good at for so long with defense, with hustle, passing vision. It's, it's nice to see him being a, a real key player for, for Memphis. How have you felt about uh, Matisse's rookie year? Oh, my goodness. It's awesome. Uh, I love that dude. I loved him before the draft. Uh, had him, I think, ranked 19th or 20th on my board. And to, to see him turning into the player that he has on the defensive end of the floor – um, basically, he's even better than he was at Washington in college when he was one of the all-time great impact defensive players ever. And to see him already making that impact in 20 minutes per game for Philadelphia, he's already one of the best defensive players in the basketball. And it, it, in terms of a permanent basis, you know, he needs to do it over time, playing 30 minutes per game. But as a rookie at this level, it's it's really outstanding to see him be that player already and he's shooting the ball well talk to me about yeah. shake milton and why i was right about shake milton for years spike was wrong and mike mike still thinks succeeding. jonah bolden is good jonah bolden. no i know i was never bolden i was never bolden oh that's horseshit we bought in because we wanted to see him become a stretch five but i never had him very high that was uh, not me that was okay. not me all right 
I, there's other examples of me believing in guys that I don't that are bad, but Jonah <laughs> was enough. Jonah was not one of them. Uh, Shake, are you buying Shake Milton's jump shot? 100, percent 100. percent He shot over 42 percent from for three straight seasons at SMU. He was always good, and he had a, he had a bad summer league, and he had a bad like there was like a post like a pre-draft camp that he got ran off the floor and just like wasn't strong enough. But he's always had a level of pace to him. He's he's got like a seven one wingspan, seven two, uh, which is ridiculous for a, a combo guard. And he's just a smart player. He can catch and shoot. He can create a little bit in the pick and roll. And what I'm mo- what I've been most impressed by is how he's finished around the rim. Like he's not excellent above the rim, obviously, but just sort of like crafty enough to get by people. There is like a level of just. He just knows what he's doing and knows how to get to his angles. There's some, like, SGA to him, which obviously I love. SGA is actually a pretty interesting comparison because with Milton, you know, like you said, he could shoot. He was a really good free throw shooter, a good spot-up shooter at SMU in college, and that's translated, of course, but he's gotten better off the dribble. And that was something that SGA had to do, albeit at a younger age, out of college, but he's improved at, you know, one dribble jumpers from three uh, off the dribble. He's gotten better at getting to the basket. And these are the questions about him in the draft. And ultimately, I look back, I think I had him ranked in the 40s or, or maybe even 50. And I look back in hindsight, I'm like, geez, I, I, I think I, I really weighed some of those weaknesses with him as a ball handler and as a shot creator too much instead of looking at the situation and the fact that, that he had to carry a heavier load there, so maybe the defensive effort wasn't what you wanted it to be. And maybe he's just one of those guys that take a little bit longer to develop his handle. And with him, I'm not sure. Like I don't think he's going to continue shooting 45% from three, um, but he's definitely going to be a contributor for a long time uh, with his two-way play. I think like with Simmons, we've been talking about like an ideal fit with Simmons. And he still wants to have the ball in his hands in the half court, and he's gotten significantly better at that. But we still want another guy that can handle and that can penetrate and that can run traditional pick and rolls with Simmons, with Embiid, whatever. Um, and I, I've always said that the, the, the ideal like prototype player is like George Hill in his prime. Uh, doesn't need the ball, can catch and shoot, but can run a little bit of the offense and is just long enough to, to not be picked on on defense. And it seems like Shake could get there, and I love him, and I love how uh, what the deal he's on with the Sixers, and I'm just very, very happy. Kev, if you could arrange an eight-man rotation for the Sixers in a theoretical playoffs this season, g- given the five guys that are that are at least the original starters, and let's add Shake, who are the other guys that you'd add to the playoff rotation? So in the starting five right now, we're talking the big group. We're talking Horford. Embiid, Simmons, Richardson, and who's your fifth right now that you're rolling? T- Tobias. And T- Tobias. Tobias. Okay, sorry, mind slip there. And then we're talking shake off the six. So if, you know, I think you have to have Matisse out there, and I think it's going to be Furkan, Furkan Korkmaz, right? Is that your eight? I yeah, I mean, I there's gotta, other alternatives. I gotta tell or, you, go ahead. I I, I think they're going to be a lot. I, you know, so we have the advantage of watching every single Sixers game. And while Matisse has had a nice um, rookie year and certainly a great month, month and a half of the beginning, he has not been great the last couple of months. And I do think in the playoffs that they're, you know, a, a joke that we that we have made since um, 
what's his name, Jonathan Simmons and James Ennis is the uh, the the silent tournament or the quiet tournament. Yeah. I I think it could be game to game with Thibault, and I think there could be games when Thibault doesn't play or plays five minutes. Like I I do think that's possible. Yeah, he is shooting sub thirty percent from three, and what is it, last two months or something like that? Um, yeah. That needs to be better. I, I just think with the defensive contributions, maybe like you said, it's the type of thing. If the offense isn't there, then maybe you're rolling with Alec Burks or, or Neto in maybe a certain situations or Trey Burke. I mean, there's options for that eighth guy, and that's why with Philadelphia, it's uh, it's understandable why you might be pessimistic about their odds. And hopefully, we have the playoffs. Um, but fact is, is that they do have some versatility with that bench to play certain guys in certain types of matchups. And yeah. if you're playing if you're playing Horford in that backup five spot and way more often instead of playing, you know, this jumbo front court, maybe you'd be better served in that situation. I don't know. Do you want to Yeah. Do you want to apologize to us for Al Horford? Ah. <laughs> I mean, he has truly become average Al. Do you take? Uh, do you feel like that was sub-average? You're, Al. you're a no. part of this blame. <laughs> no, because the original reason that you were banned, the original reason you were banned was because yeah. you put Horford in yeah, over Embiid you know, in the All Star game. I, I still look back at that decision for me to ban, I, and I still disagree with that. I still think you disagree you, with yourself. You you look at what other? Yeah, I told I would have voted Embiid over Horford if they made the vote closer to the time of the actual all-star game the votes were due way too early and i look back at that time and there were a lot of other people out there who also voted for horford over Embiid at that point of the season and bunch of assholes bunch of kevin contrition is so important and i'm so glad that you have it here yeah um kevin uh bringing it back to basketball who is your favorite guitar player of all time, and who is the best <laughs> guitar player of all time? Um, I mean, Jimi Hendrix is really the guy who changed my my life in a way. I, I fell in love with Pink Floyd and David Gilmour before Hendrix, but Hendrix was really the guy who I, who I think expanded my 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 palette for for music and. Um, yeah, I'd say he's probably my favorite all time for that reason. Uh, and best ever? Uh, well, I have, hard, I have a hard time with that question. I have, a, I really do because, what it, is this a is this a subjective choice? But then that's just favorite. Uh, I don't know how you define what is best guitarist or musician when, when you could look at the technical aspect, you could look at feel, you can look at songwriting ability. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how to answer that other part. Honestly, if your favorite is Hendrix, there's not you don't really need to answer the other one. Like I, I think you I think you could have a favorite and say, Hey, I really, really love the riffs that this guy writes and I love it, but obviously this guy is the best. But if your favorite is Hendrix, then that sure. it pretty much ends it there. And I think with Jimmy that would be my answer, that he is the best and my my reason for for saying that would just be the the innovation as a guitarist and how he changed the way musicians across the world viewed the instrument and approached the instrument with songwriting, with playing, with soloing, with, with effects. Uh, Jimmy really K changed music in that way. KOC, do you think it is ironic that your favorite guitar player is Jimi Hendrix, 
and he is left-handed, but played a right-handed guitar upside down. <laughs> is there any irony in that at all? Or, 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 this just came to mind just now, my favorite baseball player when I was young was Ken Griffey Jr., left-handed hitter, wore his hat backwards all the time. I don't know. I yeah. Don't, hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Um, hmm. It may not be a coincidence. I'm a right, hmm. and uh, my left hand hmm. is pretty useless. Um, so I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe it's just like the jealousy of what I don't have. <laughs> so, Kevin, we should be right now watching a first four game in Dayton, probably like a like a UCLA Richmond, something like that. Um, and it's very upsetting to me that we're not, um, but. These guys uh, will still be entering the draft, and at least as of now, barring any more season happening, the Sixers own the Oklahoma City Thunder first-round pick, which is currently falling around either 21 or 22, depending on if there's a coin flip. Uh, talk to me. 2020 draft. How much? How deep in are you, um, and who do you like at around that range? Well... I, I think when people say the draft is weak, um, I can't speak for anybody else, but I guess if I say the draft is weak, I mean it's weak with top-end, no-brainer, superstar talent. Yeah, um, and I'd agree. But this year does have, I think, quite a handful of pretty appealing wings and forwards that you can fit into any type of contending type of roster. And, and I, I guess to start with a, a player that maybe some of your listeners might know, I think I, somebody like Sadiq Bey from Villanova. He's mm-hmm. somebody that comes to mind is for that 20, 21st pick in the first round where I'd be looking at him at 6'8", with the ability to shoot threes, make good decisions on the court, defend multiple positions. He's very good at defending. He's 6'8", with length, can defend bigger guys, but he also has the agility to defend on the perimeter against smaller guys, too. To me, there's a handful of guys like that in this year's draft class that there's some appeal in the middle of the first round. Do you th- I I I like Bay. I, I like that Nova team a lot. Um, he's he's like bulky to me in a way that like makes him look slow and kind of like odd. I know that he can move his feet a little bit, but there seem he seems very slow to me, but just based on his odd body shape. And I I wonder how that will age. Is there some Admiral Schofield to him? Yeah, a little. Yeah, but yeah. Schofield had like a had like more of a motor. I think. Yeah. So I don't know. The guy I like in that uh, our boy Ricky O'Donnell has pegged to the Sixers in his latest mock draft for SB Nation is uh, Kira Lewis from Alabama. Um, I, I love Kira Lewis. He's excellent, gets in passing lanes defensively, can penetrate, gets to the rim. Uh, still uh, kind of the, in that, you know, obviously, honestly, I was looking at this draft thinking, like, it'd be really nice to get that kind of player. But Shake is that kind of The Sixers right now, like, both need nothing and everything. Does, does that make sense? I think they I think they definitely need to stretch five that can actually like hit shots at a, at a, at a real clip. But other other than that, like they have guys that just need them to develop and get into like positions where they're more trustworthy. I think Devin Vassell's another one that comes sure that, meet, that meets the criteria that that you might be looking for. Another yeah, Florida bag, State three and D type of guy, uh, awesome defensive player. But uh, you know, in a way, I think he'll enter the, the draft. At, and he'll be dubbed this year's Matisse Thibel. The difference is, is he's a coming into the NBA as a better shooter, a more proven shooter than yeah. Thibel did. Um, so Vass is another one too. What do you think about Josh Green? 
at Arizona. Green's fine. I, I don't think I like him quite as much as Vassal, but uh, he reminds me a little bit of like a, a Deany Green, uh, rather a uh, Gary Harris type of guy, mm-hmm. a Michael Petrus, somebody like that. He's he's a good he's a good again potential three and D player. Uh, I don't love his handle. Uh, he don't really love his decision making for that matter either. Uh, but he plays with energy, uh, can hit spot up threes, shows touch. Uh, he stays locked in on defense. Solid prospect for sure. I prefer Vassal though. I love the draft, but I I can hear I can feel Spike tuning out. Well, so I, will I mean not continue I, I don't, it right now. I, you know, I, I dial in when I need to dial in on the draft. I just But you might be need to dial in. The draft might be next week. They might just be like, fuck it. Or the draft might right. be in October. Like, there's yeah. a chance. We were talking at work today. That, you know, that there are, you know, sports seasons or whatever. There's a chance that, like, in September, it could be the NBA Finals, the start of the NFL season, like, the, the start of the baseball season. Like, th- there, there is a, a, a potential for a confluence of of sports things happening at one time that we've never had before. It could be a, a fucking a, a, a lot of stuff all at once. We could go from nothing to a lot of stuff all at once. Do you once. think they should move the season? Start it in, start it in December? Uh, have the um, play, playoffs and, and like championship in, what, probably July? You can't. Because everybody, the, the the problem is there's so many, at least on the East Coast, so many people are on vacation and check out in July and August that TV numbers and uh, attention, I just think, would be... There's a reason why nobody plays important sports in July and August. I, I just think it, that starting on Christmas is a lot of fun, but I, I, my personal thing is, like, you're only going to start on Christmas if you're playing 50 games, and you're ending at a normal time. I don't think you can start on Christmas and play till August. That's my opinion. I, 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 don't, I, don't, totally, I don't totally buy it, personally. I, I think, I, I disagree, Spike. I, I think in August, you know, you say a lot of families go on vacation, and that's true, um, but uh, how long are those vacations? Yeah, uh, and, and don't they have TVs gonna, and know, internet on that vacation? Yeah, and, well, and also, you but, know, and, and but, but, mention, but KOC, but KOC, they, they don't all, the problem is, is that they don't all take vacation at the same time. And, like, I, I'm just talking about when you drive in New York, New Jersey, uh, Philadelphia, like, a lot of East Coast cities, if you drive during the week, there's n- barely any traffic because nobody's working and people are just mentally checked out. I just think I, that's why baseball works during the summer because it's relaxing. It just so, it's just sort of there. I don't think you get the intensity if you do it during August. Maybe you're right, but I don't, I don't buy it. Not to bring up Hinky, but I don't think we should just assume. I think that might be just because things are things are done the way they're done. That's how it's always been done, and that's why it feels right. But I think there's a lot of validity to just getting out of the way of football season, um, and making make starting Christmas Day having having the summer mostly to yourself. Um, I think basketball has gotten big enough that it commands your attention no matter if you're on vacation or not and I, I wonder what the percentage of people these days in this economy uh, can afford to take like long summer vacations sure and, and NFL truly dominates the conversation 
September through February. It just does. And the more the NBA can avoid that, I think the better for the regular season and interest in the regular season. And I think about when it comes to people being on vacation, I would be very curious about the NBA, considering it has a younger demographic, um, how much that would play a role into their thought process and potentially moving the start of the season. Um, in terms of, I would be curious about like economic background, uh, who's going on vacation that watches the NBA because it's, is it wealthier families that are going on vacation and would that impact viewership as much? I don't know. These are the questions that I'm sure the league is asking themselves when it comes to potentially doing that. But also I think when it comes to the younger demographic of NBA fans, if you're having games, playoff games, the most important games that people want to see happening in July and August when kids are out of school and those kids are able to stay up late because they don't have to wake up early in the morning for school. If, if those kids are able to stay up late, you may be investing in long-term fans of what is a very great sport and a very interesting sport right now that when you watch the league has so many freaking interesting players and fun teams to watch. It's, it's a fun sport. But right now, I think it happens at a time of the year that's a little bit more difficult for some people to really become hardcore fans that are watching games. You might watch highlights on Instagram or whatever, but you might not be watching the, the live games themselves. And, I, and maybe, maybe that's something that could help over time with kids growing up to becoming young adults who become fans, who then become you know, adults and then parents eventually. That's the way I look at it. It would be a long-term potential help for the NBA, even if there's a short-term dip. And even then, I'm not convinced that that would exist. Well, look, I'll, Mike, all I have left, you know, we're obviously not doing the second round of the Field of 64 Jigsaws. But what I would propose is that I pick one of the matchups in the bracket that you're filling out. Celebrity Kevin shot? Asked, yeah, celebrity shot. There we go. And Take I, it away, I have Kev. So I have, two, um, I have two ideas on which one it should be. And, Mike, I'll throw it to you and then... Uh, and then uh, KOC will have to answer. Is that I think, fair? I think, give, I think give them both because in honor of the first four uh, in Dayton, uh, okay. that should be happening sure. right now. Play. I will play this game. Game we play. I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? Okay, so KOC, you know, Jigsaw, obviously an awful would-you-rather. We are doing a field of 64 jigsaws to kill the time. Now, we, we did the, the, the first round last week, so I'm going to give you a, a matchup from the once-in-your-life bracket and for the rest-of-your-life bracket. So the matchup in the once-of-your-life bracket, and this, and you have to, you have to pick one, uh, this is a one seed versus a nine seed. So the one seed, you have to eat the raw human finger of a stranger. <laughs> or, or the nine seed. <laughs> Some of these I have trouble reading because I laugh so hard. Or the nine seed is you have to fully clean Doug Collins's undercarriage with your tongue. <laughs> 
after one hour on an exercise bike. <laughs> and the, uh, so, so you have to pick the one that you would rather do. And then the loser advances. Yeah. Can I, can I get those one more time? Just yes. So the first one is you have to eat the raw human finger of a stranger. And this, the second one is you have to fully clean Doug Collins' undercarriage with your tongue after he has spent one hour on an exercise. I'll take the finger. Wait, you'll take what? I'll take the, I'll take the finger. Okay. That's okay. the right call. So, so Doug Collins advances. Okay. All right. And this comes from the... Man, you know what I, 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 Mike, the one with the the mother and the, the girlfriend one is just the most awful one of all time. Uh, but it did not make a difference. Okay, this is come. This comes. Uh, this is for the rest of your life. Uh, option one, you have to wear the same pair of underwear every single day. You cannot wash it or <laughs> remove it. And <laughs> option two is. And, and that was a number 11 seed. And option two is a number three seed. Yeah. A number three seed. Your tongue is split in two like a snake. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'll take the, the uh, my tongue will be split in two like a snake. <laughs> okay. So the underwear advances. Oh, that, would, that would be disgusting. Disgusting, man. You, yeah. you, you, you would be forever socially distanced from everybody else that sees you in public. You'd smell so bad. Well, it's good. And I think we we found the solve for the the COVID nineteen coronavirus. Is <laughs> everyone's got to wear the same pair of underwear every day? <laughs> man, I am just imagining uh, snake ton KOC, and it is amazing. Is oh, all gosh. I can say. <laughs> Well, KOC, uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, it was a, uh, you know, we're, uh, you know, the, the stuff that you're right. One thing that we found from our listeners, and you can take this to heart with your writing and all that stuff, is that people need um, diversions at this time. So, you know, that uh, a lot of times you can think, well, there's stuff going on that's so important. Why would I write about something so inconsequential? But uh, people love it. So the stuff that you're writing and the podcast that you're doing mean a lot to people. So uh, don't so don't forget that. Thank you, guys. And, and same to you. It, it obviously, uh, I, I think sometimes, you know, if you meet somebody in person or you get a message and they say, you make my drives to work better, you make my drives to work fun, that, that alone to me, knowing what that can be like, uh, makes me feel good. Um, so, yeah, the, the same, like the same to you guys. Thank you for what you do. We fucking love the beard, man. I think, Mike, you would <laughs> you would concur. I just love I love I love the whole package. Wow. Wow. Loves the whole package. All right. Um, well, we will talk to you again this weekend. Mike, are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know, lick face. Thank you, Kevin. Larry, sweetie, the man. <laughs> We will write y'all, we will write, even when it went wrong, we will write, we was right y'all, we will write, so say the name.
Say the name. We will write y'all.